Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, April 30th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve warned of lasting medium-term economic fallout from the pandemic. But yesterday, investors turned their focus to White House praise for a coronavirus therapy. Plus, Microsoft shrugged off the effects of the crisis with better-than-expected results in the latest quarter. And the FT's banking editor, Stephen Morris, explains what Barclays' earnings tell us about the future of its iBanking division. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, the Federal Reserve announced that it was keeping rates close to zero, between zero and a quarter of a percentage point, the range it established in the middle of March. The Federal Open Market Committee also pledged that it was ready to take further action if needed. To recap, the Fed had already responded to the economic crisis with several actions. The lower interest rates, a sharp expansion of its balance sheet, and the establishment of dollar swap lines with foreign central banks, just to name a few. The Fed's actions reflect the unprecedented nature of the current crisis, with economies in lockdown and unemployment reaching record levels. And as the FT's James Politi explains, even Chairman Jay Powell's press conference was a little different than normal. You're there on a video link. All of your fellow Fed reporters are on their screens instead of sitting right next to you. Mr. Chairman, question Steve Leisman with uh, CNBC. Uh, thanks, Chair Powell. This is James Blady from the Financial Times. You and, you know, Chair Powell is not at the lectern in front of you, but in a quite distant uh, setting somewhere um, in virtual reality. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting to watch on, on my end. I can't imagine what it was like for you. One of the things that caught my eye yesterday as I was watching the press conference was the length of time the Fed expects the economic fallout to last. What did Chair Powell say, James? So Chair Powell said that there is clearly a short-term economic shock, um, and he described it in pretty vivid terms and said, you know, this was a heartbreaking experience, uh, particularly from some more distressed communities who are feeling the effects of the pandemic. But I think for the first time since the beginning of this, he really pointed to some of the medium-term risk to the outlook and suggested that there could be more lasting damage to the U.S. economy from the shock. And so in a way, it felt like he was sort of ruling out a V-shaped recovery this year. The more optimistic scenario from the coronavirus pandemic was that there would be this immediate shock. And then within a few months, things would get back to normal quickly and there would be a swift and robust rebound. I don't think that he completely pointed to the fact that this was not likely to happen at all, but he certainly sort of pointed to some risks that suggested that he thinks it's going to be a more lasting uh, slowdown. He specifically pointed to the fact that there is huge uncertainty over the trajectory of the virus itself, whether a vaccine could be found, whether it could be really brought under control satisfactorily. But he also pointed out to Uh, more lasting economic damage, such as workers who have been unemployed. And then he also pointed to the global dynamic. So the fact that this is really a global meltdown and it's affecting all advanced economies to different degrees, but also emerging markets. And to that point about a short-term economic shock, yesterday we got first quarter GDP for the U.S. and it was bad, but Chair Powell said it will be even worse come Q2, right? Chair Powell did, in fact, say that the second quarter would be the worst that we've ever seen. 
it's hard to assess exactly what the extent of the GDP drop is going to be. We had a 4.8% decline in annualized output in the first quarter that is, is expected to be by far topped by the contraction in the second quarter. And as the Fed tries to soften the economic blow from the pandemic, Jay Powell basically said, look, the Fed is doing all it can do and is prepared to do more. But he also called on the U.S. federal government to provide more fiscal stimulus. Why was that? Chair Powell pointed to fiscal stimulus because he knows that the Fed's powers, even though they've unleashed them to you know, the fullest extent possible, really, are in a way limited. They can't spend in the same way that Congress can through Treasury. And so he has pointed out, and he has done so in the past, but I think he did so again yesterday, to the fact that the fiscal push needs to be maintained. I mean, Congress and the White House have agreed already on about $3 trillion worth of stimulus, but there are negotiations afoot on a new package of measures. And I think Chair Powell was signaling that they should keep at it, that they shouldn't relent now. Now, despite that grim GDP reading and poor economic outlook from the Fed, Wall Street climbed higher yesterday. Investors were focused on positive data from a trial of a potential coronavirus treatment from Desivere. Dr. Anthony Fauci is a leading member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. You've seen him next to President Donald Trump during press briefings. He said the drug had, and I'm quoting him here, a significant positive effect. He's talking about the speed of recovery for coronavirus victims in the trial. The drug was developed by Gilead Sciences. Dr. Fauci cautioned that the trial results led by the U.S. National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases were not a knockout. But he compared it to the early anti-HIV drug AZT. AZT later became the basis of future treatments for HIV. But the story doesn't end there. Remember last week when the World Health Organization accidentally published draft documents on its website? They showed the coronavirus treatment drug flopped in its first randomized clinical trial in Wuhan, China. Well, that study has now been peer-reviewed and published in the medical journal The Lancet. According to the report, Remdesivir did not give patients any significant benefits over a placebo. Two years of digital transformation in just two months. That's what Microsoft's Satya Nandela said the software company had witnessed since much of the West entered lockdown. Speaking alongside the release of Microsoft's quarterly earnings yesterday, the chief executive said that stay-at-home orders and social distancing rules had led to a world of remote everything. In turn, the stay-at-home lifestyle has boosted usage of a wide range of Microsoft's platforms and services. And it showed up in the numbers. Microsoft reported that a jump in its cloud-related business more than offset a hit to some of its traditional software sales. Revenue from commercial cloud jumped 39% to $13.3 billion. This is the most closely followed measure of Microsoft's overall cloud operations. Meanwhile, revenue at Azure, the company's cloud computing platform, jumped nearly 60% in the three months to the end of March. Overall revenue grew at a pace of 15%, which was ahead of Wall Street's estimates. Yesterday's news sent the price of Microsoft shares up by about 2.5% in after-hours trading. And Barclays also reported quarterly earnings yesterday. The bank said it had increased its loan impairment provisions fivefold last quarter to 2.1 billion pounds. But as the FT's banking editor, Stephen Morris, explains, Barclays was able to offset some of what this charge did to net profit 
with an extraordinarily good performance in trading at its investment bank, a unit Chief Executive Jess Staley has gone out on a limb for. They had a, an 100% increase in fixed income trading. Now, fixed income is complicated instruments like bonds and interest rate trading and currency, so it's foreign exchange. So it was a real mixed bag. Soon after the results were published, the shares are up around 5%. But due to the impact of coronavirus, they are still down 45% this year. So depending on you know, your point of view on the bank, things are either going very well for Jess Staley, who of course made a big contrarian bet when he joined Barclays five years ago to maintain a large bulge bracket, as they call it, investment bank, and try and compete with Wall Street, whereas most of his European rivals have kind of thrown in the towel and are running much smaller operations or none at all. Right, right. And because the investment banking division has done so well, uh, where does this leave the ongoing battle between Jess Staley and activist investor Edward Bramson over the future of the division? Well, for more than two years, Edward Bramson has been lobbying for Barclays to close its investment banking division and return the capital to shareholders and pump it back into the credit card and resale side of the bank, which in normal times has much higher returns. Jess Staley's counter-argument to this has always been you need a widespread business in, in many countries with different business lines. Because when things go south, for example, in the UK economy, when half the country is, is off work or furloughed, you need another business to kind of prop up earnings. And that's certainly what we've seen, at least in the first quarter. So in a way, this is kind of a vindication for Jess Staley's dogged refusal to shrink the investment bank. But we have to remember, this has long been Barclays' worst performing unit. So just looking at one quarter in isolation shouldn't necessarily declare that Jess Staley was ideologically or practically right on this issue. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.